This is it. This is what they play for. World Series time, FT Live. Braun Prusinski, Todd Father, Kratz. We're all betting men. Who had the Diamondbacks and Rangers on their list <laughs> for World Series? Like, if I asked you to come up with scenarios of what the World Series would look like, how far down your list would I have had to get to Rangers, Diamondbacks if this was April? If this was August. This was October 1st. <laughs> yeah. If it was July, when they were both in first place, then uh, yeah, still... I'd be like, wow, these guys are unbelievable. I still would have said, eh, Dodgers, Astros. That's such a mm. crass answer, too, to remember that they had good times in July together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, but the recall is incredible. Like I said, though, it is October. incredible. October yeah. 1st, when the playoffs started, when the playoffs kicked off, well, in October, for October 3rd. Yep. And you would have said the Diamondbacks, Rangers. We all would have been like, no chance, especially with the gauntlet the Diamondbacks had to go through, right? I mean, going through who they went through, the Dodgers who've crushed them, the Brewers who are a first-place team, yep. the Dodgers who have owned them, and then the, go to Philly? No chance. And then the Rangers, obviously, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and then their arch nemesis, Houston. Good for both these teams, man. I'm happy for both these teams. I know people outside of Dallas and Phoenix – they're like, ah, this World Series sucks. But I'm happy for these teams because a lot of people are happy to see new blood. Before we charge the mound about, you know, what happened last night, Top Father, why do you think so many people are complaining? I mean, and maybe there are more or less than we think, but, you know, there's definitely people like, oh, boring matchup or, oh, bad for, you know, TV ratings, which we joke about, right? But, like, that's not our responsibility to worry about, you know, what networks and what the league is making. Listen, I – I worked out for the first time in like three months today, and that's all the people were talking. They came up to me to like, "Yo, dude, this stinks, man. I'm not watching this." Every, every, I'm telling you, at least a handful of guys that I was, you know, working out with over there is like, "Yo, dude, what do you think now, man? This is, you know, not many people are gonna watch it." Listen, you got some new blood coming in, man. You gotta watch this series. These boys can play. Adolis Garcia is an absolute stud. Uh, Jordan Montgomery just made himself seven figures. Uh, I mean, this this is a Texas team that is not to be messed with. And you got Arizona Diamondbacks with a rookie of the year in Corbin Carroll. Um, their pitching staff has been phenomenal. Their bullpen has been one of the best in this in this playoffs. And that's just to name a few people. And I kept telling these guys, just watch, man. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Just take a gander at this and really take a look at some of the upcoming phenoms that are coming to play here and guys that have been there before. You know, there's there's some there's some absolute beast of baseball players, and it's going to be like this for for a while of these guys doing this well. And I'm really I'm excited to watch. It. And I told him, listen, it's not the Phillies, not the Yankees, it's not the Mets. You know, over here in the East Coast, not the big dogs anymore. But guess what? This might be a change in the guards. We never know what's going to happen. I also just can say this because I'm from the Northeast. I think Kratz, the Northeast bias kicks in. Plus, I mean, Todd Father's going to a Jersey workout class, and there's. No teams they might be paying attention to. The Mets aren't in. The Yankees aren't in. The Phillies aren't in. The Red Sox aren't in. You know, this is middle of the country against, you know, the West. I feel like I feel like anybody that does jazzercise with Todd is definitely <laughs> is definitely a Diamondbacks or Rangers fan. Either way. But look, like, this is, this is good for baseball. 20 of the 30 teams have been to the World Series since 2001. 20 of the 30. Now, if it's all the same teams, if it's like you even said it the other day, like, you know, the Astros, like we want to see the Rangers in it. Like if it's the same teams over and over again, we complain. 
like how about we shine shine the light on like these two teams like people who are complaining about this is who's going to who's going to be in it and they couldn't be more stark opposites two teams that <laughs> the one similarity is their ERAs both were kind of eh, mid as a team but they're going to steal bases the Diamondbacks are going to steal bases the Rangers are going to bop the ball so basically based on how I've been betting and guessing on this the Rangers are going to steal more bases, and the Diamondbacks are going to hit more home runs. So I have no idea. <laughs> I love. <it. laughs> all right, well, let's officially also charge the damn mound, so we can get into some of the big topics and some of the petty stuff too. So let's start with the celebration for the Diamondbacks on the field. Alec Thomas, who was actually one of the first FT guests ever, um, has a Diamondbacks flag. The whole team does, right? And he took it and planted it in the turf. Let's see it right there. Oof. Grounds crew's pissed, by the way. Grounds <laughs> no, crew gets rated. pissed. Season's over, bro. Nobody cares. The air rated. <laughs> but have you they ever... got six months to get that field ready for next year. Have you ever seen... Um, it's usually security with, like, media where they're, like, foot will, like, touch, like, some dirt. And they'll be like, hey, hey, do you want to get arrested? It's like, okay, meanwhile, someone just planted a stake in your field. Just saying. Again, pack your shit, boys. Season's over. It's over. Got six months to get it ready for next year till March or April. Would you be pissed if you're the Phillies? No, dude, come on. No, I loved it when, like, was it Manziel? No, it was, uh, no, well, Manziel. Uh, Baker Mayfield, freaking in Ohio State in the middle. Like, that stuff's cool, man. Like, that stuff is what sports are about, and they're just having fun. This isn't meant towards the Phillies. This wasn't meant towards the players. This is just guys having fun and stuck the flag in the ground. It said champions nationally. Listen, the Diamondbacks have bragging rights. They're the champions of the National League. And all the people that don't like it, all the people that say, oh, there's too many wild card teams, they still went through the teams and beat them, teams that everyone thought was going to cruise the World Series. So, listen, they they do the winner go the spoils, do whatever the hell y'all want. Like they said, jump in their pool if they want. Go enjoy it, D-backs, because who knows how long until it'll happen again. And they're nice guys. That, that's actually true. Remember, Seawald was on with us about a week ago, and he's like, hey, listen, if we lose in Arizona, they can jump in our pool. You know? That's cool. Yeah. That's good sports. Plus, Alec Thomas I've known since he was about four years old, so Is he a my, badass? Boy, my boy representing with me, like something I would do. Is he a badass? I mean, I don't know if he's a badass, but, I mean, we had him on. He's a good yeah. kid. His dad was a badass. We had him on, he's like, you know, I don't even know if the season had started. So it was at WBC, so it was early. Yeah, I mean, and he's a rookie, so you know he's easing in. I bet you, if we speak to him now, he would have like a little more, I, yeah, a little more confidence. Yeah. No, 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 he definitely would. But he also got sent down this year. That's true. So listen, there was a lot of great stories. I mean, we talked about it last night on the post game. Like Ginkle got sent down, right? Yeah. Fought wasn't there all year. I mean, there's a lot of great stories on this Diamondback team. Just people don't know them because they're in Arizona. Yep, that's true. Paul Seawald wasn't on the team, and he addressed the team afterward. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, oh, shit, sorry. Yeah, we usually don't do this when we uh, pop champagne, but uh, this is a, a nice tradition. Congratulations to everybody, National League champs. And Put that um, on yourself. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, not only is he a closer, right? This isn't like the position player, everyday dude who's leading the squad. He wasn't on the team as of a few months ago. 
Todd Father, and now he's he's the dude doing the speech. Like, who usually does the speech during a celebration yeah, I, like that? It's amazing to see that a guy just coming over. I I take it back to a while ago. I played with him with the Mets, and you you think about where he started. You know, he wasn't that guy. He you know he'd come in. You know, when the team was down a lot, and you know he'd be that you know three four inning guys that would have to just come in and you know you know, put the team at bay, you know, we'd be up by a lot. And now for him, his resilience to understand that, you know, I still got something in the tank. This isn't who I am going to a different team after he was with the Mets, making a name for himself over in Seattle and now doing what he's doing. I mean, kudos to him, man. That's hard to do, especially going into New York, you know, people booing you left and right. He went in there, gave those fans the ear. He, he knew he was, he was cocky. He was confident about the whole thing. And now, you know, he's he's leading this team after a couple of months. I mean, that goes to show you why baseball is the best sport in the world, man. You can come from a different culture, a different atmosphere, a different team. doesn't matter who you are, but there's a family always for somebody, especially in the sport. So you go to Arizona after Seattle and they treat you like that, man. That That's really cool. And uh, congratulations to him. Hey, have you been on for any of our Seawald interviews yet? I've been, I've been on once or twice, I, at least once, yes. Okay, just making sure. Because yeah. I'm like, obviously, we got to connect the dots there, but maybe we've done it already. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. At least once. 200 something player guest appearances. So yeah. it all starts to pile together. Kratz, let's run through some Zach Gallon shade on social. Uh oh. It's from, you know, similar neck of the woods. Yeah, Northeast fans, you want something to root for? You got plenty. If you're a Mets fan, you could root for Scherzer. You could root for Seawald. If you're a Jersey fan, you could root for Gallon. There's plenty of Northeast-ish um, to it. So Gallon had some some fun retweets and gifts and stuff like that. If we've got it, we'll run through it. Because here we go. It's 50 Cent. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. He didn't pitch. Did you think he was going to pitch, by the way? No. He was available. Yeah. He Wheeler was. pitched. Two different, different wavelengths. Diff, different games too, right? So they meaning, had a lead. Meaning they had a lead the whole time, and Tori Lavella was able to use his bullpen exactly how he wanted to. Mm -hmm. Thompson was chasing. Again, once you get behind in these games, you start chasing. We saw with Houston, right? You got to start chasing, chasing. It messes up your script like Joe Madden talked about yesterday, right? But mm -hmm. Tori Lavella's script was perfect because he got fought to go what he got, four innings. Right. And then he went to the lefty. He went to uh, Mantiply. Right. And then he saw Frank and then Thompson, Ginkle. Boom. Ginkle a little See earlier what? than they probably but still, wanted, but who cares? But who, if you can't get him to be five outs in the eighth inning of seventh and eighth inning of game seven of the deal of the World Series, I think you could have given you 10. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Ginkle could have started the way he was throwing. That shit he was throwing was filthy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's why because they had to use Wheeler because they were just trying to hold it down. Plus, they had to go to their relievers. Boom, 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 boom. They're higher leverage guys. So it was it was just different ways it was run. But listen, Tori Lavello, that was a dream scenario for him. Yep. Yep. And Crazy. for Arizona, I mean, they got to play their brand of baseball these last couple of games. So we're going to talk to uh, Scott Fransky, who has been doing Phillies radio for a long time. Kratz, how, how do you think he's going to be? Because he's getting checked in right now. He's tremendous. This guy's this – guy's I mean, I feel like Philly has – maybe I'm biased, but I also worked with these guys and played, as these guys announced. Like, to have T-Mac and Scott Fransky, as long as they have, at TV and radio, like, so pro, he's going to be – he's going to be a little bummed. 
but he just he's usually a melancholy person. So I'm I'm more interested <laughs> to see what he's what he's going to do in the offseason now. Bummed or pissed? Because like most Philly fans right now are are pissed off. I mean, not at the players necessarily. I think it was such a lovable team if you're a Philly fan. And we'll, you know what? Let's just table it because we'll talk to him about it. They don't know what to yell at. So kudos, <laughs> kudos they, they for Fransky. They got the Eagles coming up. They're fine. Kudos for Fransky coming on here after he was just ousted last night. So that's my guy. We'll have Scott Fransky, Philly's play-by-play, coming up in just a sec. Anything from the game that stood out or really the last two games that stood out? And also, just for everyone on here, did a nice chunky post-game show about 30 minutes right after Diamondbacks-Phillies Game 7. So if you want to check that out for like extensive coverage on that front, including also how the Diamondbacks were built and definitely the heist they pulled off with Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel. But, I mean, could the Phillies have done anything differently? Hit. Castellanos was 0 for 22. And they count on him after that game one homer. He went over twenty two. But don't you good. know what you're getting with him? Like you're going to get that burst of mm. five games where he's hitting a home. You'd run like to game. see no. a little bit more than over twenty two. Maybe a two for twenty two. Sure, but the homer. Okay. But I, I listen. No, I, Frazier, I think you agree. Like the Diamondbacks just beat them. They pitched really well, and they beat them. They 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 outplayed them, and they played the last two games especially. They played their their style, which is running and. Two out hits. Yeah, I want to ask Scott a question when he when he comes on here. Well, let's bring him on now then. Because, oh, right. yeah. Some, sometimes <laughs> people are like, "Oh, the manager made the wrong move here." Rob Thompson's been pretty damn good you know, the last couple of years. Scott Fransky, Phillies Radio, joining us right now. Scott, how you doing? And why don't you start things off, Todd Father, right after Scott says hello? Hey, go ahead. Hello. Scott. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> hey, what's up, man? So I'm sorry about what happened last night, man. This baseball's tough sport we've all been there before um my question to you is from watching the game it just seems like from watching the hitters from the the first four games to the last two it just seems like they were anxious they were swinging at a lot of pitches a lot of balls they were swinging at and to me that's not their mojo their mojo was seeing pitches and then when they got that pitch they would take care of it and then eventually the last two games guys were missing those pitches do you do you think there was anything going in a different game plan or anything they had going well, I mean, I, I, again, I mean, I heard a little bit what you guys were saying. I mean, the Diamondbacks pitched really well. I mean, you go back and look at some of the sequ- sequences. Um, they didn't miss a lot in the middle. And that, I think that's something that teams like the Phillies do. They're able to capitalize on those misses in the middle. Um, and, um, you know, again, uh, they beat some pretty good pitchers along the way, you know, Spencer Strider included. Um, and he's not a guy who misses a, a lot, but the Phillies – uh, we're able to put enough on him. I, I just think, um, you know, there's there's a combination of things. I mean, you got to give the Diamondbacks a little bit of credit, but uh, I do think maybe, you know, as the as the innings started started to evaporate and the chances started to run dry, uh, I think it's human nature. You you start to tense up a little bit. So um, I know Bryce was pretty close on that one, you know, with the two runners on, but. You know, going going into the last game, and I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head what what last night turned out to be, but going into the last game, he had two at bats with a runner in scoring position in the series. Your your three hole hitter. So, I, I mean, he, so he gets one chance to make a difference, and he fails, and he's he's the one saying I failed my city and all this stuff. But they, there just weren't that many chances for him. You know what I mean? Um, 
I thought they pitched him pretty well, and uh, you know he just had nobody on. Um, Diamondbacks pitched pitched great, I thought. Franky, you losing weight with T Mac? What's the deal, bro? You're looking tremendous. Yeah, no, probably not. Just uh, I, I haven't eaten in days, right? So is that, just trying is to keep what up it with is? this schedule. <laughs> is that what it is? It's time I I roused you out of your nap coming on the show here. Oh, I've I've made one trip to the elementary school. I've made one trip to the middle school. We had a forgotten violin. We got a kid going in late because he was, you know, staying up late with the Phillies last night. Got a soccer game this afternoon. It's just back to real life now. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. That's what I was going to ask you. Who is taking this loss the worst? Gus, Loretta, June, or your good friend L.A.? Yeah, Uh, I'd say it hit Gus the hardest. Um, You know, 13-year-old... Uh, baseball fan, baseball player. He, I mean, you know, I, I think it hit, hit hit him the hardest of all. That's for sure. Not L.A. Larry Anderson didn't. For anybody who doesn't know who L.A. is, that's your it's your Robin to your Batman. He's your Robin. <laughs> Weekends at Larry's. Yes, this is Larry yeah. Anderson is a cult cult hero in Philadelphia. Was he pissed, or was he pissed already in Game Six? I shouldn't have gotten to this place if they would have just. Thrown fastballs down and away. Just unbelievable. Well, it worked for the Diamondbacks, let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Fastball down and away and then break off a slider down and a little further away. Yep. That seemed to be a pretty good formula. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's a fan like like everybody in this town. He's a fan of the Phillies. He wants them to do well. And, um, I, you know, I think it's tough, uh, you know, especially, you know, for – for broadcasters, we're just riding, right? We don't we don't have any effect on the outcome. There's nothing we can do. We're just watching, and you're just hoping your team is the one that comes out on top. And uh, it's, it's so rare that it is, right? And and there's nothing you can do about it to affect the the outcome or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's frustrating for all of us. That's for sure. Yeah, those are your sense. kids. Gus, Loretta, and June are two twin girls, and your 13 year old son, Gus, an aspiring catcher. He's kind of like a 13-year-old JT Real Muto. I don't know about that. Ah, but, come on. Uh, come on. Yeah, I got a I got a I got a bone to pick. You know, my son's team lost to uh, Tom's River East in the regional championship this year. Thanks oh, no. a lot, Frazier. Oh yeah. no, man. I'm what oh. what age group? Uh the 13U. So Oh, they were good. They were they were they were good. Hey, yeah, Scott. they were good. So, so I'm going to mix in two opinions for you, and then you okay. tell me, you know, if you agree or you see something differently. So, number one, if if you have to pick someone to blame in the Phillies org for the loss in this series, who would it be? For me, I'm going to go to Craig Kimbrell just because those are two games. Like Paul Seawald closed out four games. Craig Kimbrell had two blown saves. I mean, Rob Thompson chose to use him in both of those games. I know he'd been used all year, but. Back-to-back games, it was it was tough. So if you're going to blame someone, who would that be? And the second question is, do you think that this was the best chance ever during this run for the Phillies to win a World Series? Because obviously, I, we always say this, like, your window is now, right? And there's teams sometimes that think their window is going to last for a long time. I think the Phillies are going to be good for a while. But, man, it just seemed like they were the best team you know, built to win in this postseason, and it didn't happen. So what are your thoughts on both of those? Well, uh, as far as someone to blame, I mean, this, uh, make no mistake, you can say what you want about Kimbrell or, or any of the pitchers. This team was built to hit. 
this built team was built to score a lot of runs. And they got five guys that, you know, have triple-digit contracts, you know, well over $100 million, uh, some of them over $300 million, that that didn't perform in this series. So if there's blame to be laid, um, I, I don't think – I'm not a guy in baseball that thinks you can lay blame on one person. A baseball game unfolds, and there's a thousand different things that happen along the way. And – and what happens in the first inning can very well have an effect on what happens in the ninth. And I think it's hard sometimes. We all want to point a finger. We all want to assess blame. We always want, you know, someone to someone to pay for it or whatever. But, um, you know, this is a collective effort. They win as a team, and they definitely lose as a team. And there are a lot of guys there that, that, that could probably look themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, didn't get it done. And, uh, and, and hopefully that – if they do, they, they sort of acknowledge their part in that because I, I think this is a team that's built to win, and three times the Diamondbacks held them two runs or less. Um, they're, they're supposed to score more runs, uh, and everybody wants to hang uh, the loss on Kimbrell um, in a 1-1 game because he gives up a run in the bottom of the ninth on the road, right? What about – and what about the winning window? Do you think like do you think this was the best built team for the playoffs with what uh, the Phillies I just mean, had? I, I mean that as a compliment. I'm like I looked at them yeah, and I no, picked them to win I, the World Series. I'm like this team looks better than everyone else in terms of how they're built. You got your top two starters and even really a three with Suarez and the bullpen's great and the offense great didn't show up. But I'm just like it's hard to replicate that. You know, guys get hurt, guys leave. We'll see what happens with someone like Nola. You know. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely, uh, it, it, that opportunity was there. And again, uh, Texas is playing unbelievable right now. And, um, and, and I, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's not like if the Phillies had gone to the World Series, it's some kind of shoe in. I, I do think, I believe they're a more talented team than Arizona, but Arizona outplayed them. Um, I think the Phillies are a deeper team than Arizona, but Arizona outplayed them and, and they deserve to move on because they played the best. Um, but yeah, I thought the window was there. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people felt like, Hey, if whoever wins that Phillies brave series probably, you know, should go on to the world series, but, um, I, you know, that's baseball, right? Um, it, I think it, I think it's an interesting, it's sort of a weird thing about baseball that, um, you know, we build these teams to be good over the long haul, Right. But it really comes down to how good you are over seven days or five days or three days, right? Um, to whether you move on or not, to whether you're a World Series champ. I mean, the Braves are an unbelievable team. I saw them a lot. Um, they're deep. They're talented. But um, <clears throat> they ran out of pitching at the wrong time, right? So they, they're they home early, um, even though they won 104 games. And the Dodgers, every year, it seems like, they're home early, even though they win 100 games. Why is that? I I don't know. We build teams for the long haul. Um, we try to make them good for the long haul, but sometimes um, it's the, the sort of the chaos of the tournament. Um, I almost wonder if you just let all teams in a tournament. Do it like the NCAA, right? Just have everybody going crazy. <laughs> the what? Yeah. The, the, yeah. Hey, right? I mean, the Royals get hot at the right time. <laughs> they, they, swept the, they swept the Astros in two, two series, so. Right? I mean, you never know. know. Sienna's, Sienna's never went in the tournament, though. Don't worry about that. They might make some upsets. No, but that's the point, right? Royals upset, uh, you know, Baltimore in the first round, and then, you know, the whole bracket is messed up. And 
You would love that chaos. You would love that chaos. You you sit down. You sit down every day except for Sunday with Topper pregame, and you do your pregame show. I saw it last year when I worked with you. Like, was there any time you saw the ups and downs throughout the whole season? Was there any time that you ever saw Topper, including this series or before this series, like where he was nervous or trepidatious about his? Like what was happening because he knows he knows, and I've told you tons of stories about how he's like, you know, he's so prepared he almost can like tell you what could happen in the games. Was there any right. times where you saw him nervous? No, I, in fact, he stayed. I mean, he was really positive and and he was really confident. And you know, even you know, off mic and behind closed doors, he 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 remained pretty confident in his team. He was very watchful of, of their mood and their attitudes and, and the way they were handling things in the clubhouse. As you know, Kratz, he's, he's a guy who, who watches people, right? And, and he, he has a, a, tries to have a pretty good sense on what they're feeling and, and, and how that might translate. He felt like they were loose and ready to play and ready to go, um, both you know game six and game seven. I, I think he, he had really, again, high hopes that, the, the, that it was going to go their way, and uh, they just – didn't hit and it didn't go their way. Hey, I want to ask you what you said before about making a, everybody play in the playoffs or whatever it is. So do you, we've had these conversations on here before. Do you believe five day layoff? Is that a problem in uh, playoff uh, baseball? Or are you a believer in that? Or are you just saying, you know what? It is what it is. These guys are professionals. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's the five day layoff. I, I, um, uh, there there must be something they can do to to better um, to to make being the division winner matter more uh, to make it more of an advantage. I don't know what that is. You know, I've heard some people say, "Well, you come out of that wild card series and maybe you don't get any time off. You have to roll right into the division series. Maybe you back it up by a day. It's a four day layoff for the division winner. There's no off day for the wild card winner if it goes three games. Maybe that's a way to get uh, get it." You know, there has to be some sort of of advantage to winning the division. Otherwise, why are we doing it, right? Otherwise, why are we acting like winning the division is a big deal? Because right now, do you think the Braves think it's a big deal that they won the division or the Dodgers? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's something marketing-wise you can fly that flag and all that, but you didn't win the world series. And, um, I don't know. I don't know how you make it uh, more fair. I mean, Todd, you would obviously be way better qualified to answer whether or not a five day layoff is, is detrimental to the team. Um, the idea, you know, maybe, maybe it is for a hitter. Um, I don't know for pitching. I would think it's probably beneficial. You line it up the way you want it. Um, you know, they got to do – the Braves technically were going to get to do something they didn't get to do all year, and that's those Strider and Freed twice in five games each, right? So four times in five games. Um, now, I got, didn't get that far, but um, – so have, what better advantage do you want than that? I love I love uh, that you're saying this. I love that you're saying this. I completely disagree with you. But I <laughs> okay. also – it it also makes me – Well, what do you – well, what it is makes, it? What What is – Go ahead. I just mean, what? How do you make the division matter? How do you make winning the division matter? Or, yeah. or are we just looking at it in a vacuum of this year's results? 
Well, and, and over it's it's never happened. Like it's it's never happened where a hundred a hundred win team makes it to the playoffs. So people are even crying more about it. And to me, my thing is just flip it on its head. Let's say right now the Dodgers and Braves get it, and I've asked probably six different people that have been involved with teams that got eliminated that had a hundred wins, and I said okay. And even Anthopolis came out and said, no, it's not going to happen. Would the Braves and would the Dodgers have said, we'll go play the wild card because we don't want so much rest? That, that's, what, that's what they'd rather do is go no, play the wild card? No, they said oh, no. Yeah. I don't think anybody would take the wild card game. So that's to me, that's the option is to give them the choice. If, if that is really detrimental to your hitters, right. give them the choice. Because my also career Kratz. shows, my career shows that five days off of hitting all the time makes you a two hundred hitter. Kratz, oh, yeah, right. good one. But also, like Max Fried probably wouldn't have even pitched in the wild card series. The Braves could have gotten bounced in the freaking wild card round if they played in that. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I just don't know how you. I mean, I I agree with you in the sense that uh, I think the idea of um, the Maybe the division winner needs a, a, a somehow a better home field advantage, or maybe the, the the reality is the division series needs to be longer. Mm. Um, I mean, the whole idea of the division series of winning the division is saying you're the best team, you're the deepest team, you're the best team. So show us, show us how deep and how good you are. Um, and I, you know, again, I'm I'm not. I don't know what the right answer is because the Phillies certainly, you know, you know, they can ride two really good starters, right? Wheeler and Nola. Um, do we want our game to be that way? Um, don't you want to see the full depth of the roster and, and, and make teams show you how good they are? Um, I don't know. Maybe that's the real uh, advantage there is if the home team has, you know, the division winner, they're guaranteed a seven-game series where they can fully show off how good they are. Let me ask you this. That's great points on, on all those. I, I love that. Have just Maybe just even have the 10 teams come in and whoever this top team is, say, hey, I want to play this team, and, and you, you go from there. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, what do the Phillies need to do in the offseason, if anything, uh, to get this team back to uh, you know, where they need to be again? I kind of think their central first question uh, is to ask Bryce what he wants to do. Um, I, I, you know, he was asked in the postseason, are you going to go back to the outfield? Um, because I think there's a lot of dominoes that could fall there, right? If you view him as an outfielder who maybe sometimes plays first base to, you know, you know, rest or sometimes DHs or whatever, um, but what do you view him as? Are, are you looking at him as your everyday guy at first base? Because, I mean, obviously this year, in the second half, he was. Um, and certainly in the playoffs, he was. So I think you answer that question first. Um, and then you start deciding what to do from there. Um, I don't know if they're going to sign Aaron Nola. I, I don't know how hard they'll push to sign Aaron Nola. But um, I think October showed just how valuable Aaron is. Um and and Kratzy knows what an Aaron Nola fan I am, um, but uh, that that's not an easy guy to replace. Um, the the durability, the dependability, um, the pitchability. Uh, to me, he's uh, 
he's he's what you want in a starter today. And I think he's still got plenty more left to go. Um, I don't know what I I'm I'm not a big financial numbers guy in terms of what these these the players make. Um, but I, I can tell you this, it'll be hard to replace him. I don't know where you go to replace him. Um, so I think they could probably, I, I do think, again, you answer the Bryce question, then you, you figure out first base. Is it Reese? Do you try to bring him back on a one-year deal? Um, very popular player. Um, you know, but you know, there's some people, you know, detractors as well who, who would, who would be fine moving on. So, um, I, I don't know. I think you answer the Bryce question, then you see what you want to do with your outfield, but you got it. It's all about pitching. So are you ultimately saving money because the team didn't move on to the world series to play in Texas again and all your family come and just bombard you with tickets? Uh, the team is saving nothing. Uh, I'm, no, are I you saving, saving money? A few bucks. Yes. I might be saving a few dollars. Yes. They don't exactly uh, put a big stack of tickets off to the side for the radio announcer. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I would have been pretty limited in the number I could have purchased in the first place. So That's what you were telling everybody. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. It would have been really cool to go there. And uh, that's where I grew up. And that's the, I, I have a, you know, great relationship and a, and a tremendous fondness for Eric Nadell, who's been their voice for years. And he was a big mentor of mine and, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for him uh, in in some measure. So uh, I and I hope he gets to finally call a World Series. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't hoping for that 24 hours ago. But now I guess that's that's what that's what hope I'm left with here is that, that, <laughs> that the Rangers can win it for Eric. Hey, last thing for me before we let you go. In 2001 or two, I think my brother played for Kane County. Did you uh, ever announce for him at all in those years? What year was he there? It's either 2001 or 2002. I read that you were there in the I early was there 2000. through 2001. Uh, uh, I don't yeah, Charlie. Yeah, but I don't, all good. Yeah. Um, the, we had some really good teams then. Uh, Yo, you, they had some came, squads back then in the minor leagues. Yeah. We, we, my la the last year I was there in 01, their infield was Adrian Gonzalez at mm -hmm. first. Um, uh, Josh Wilson, who played a long time, he was at second. He was um, good. Yeah, and uh, Miguel Cabrera was the shortstop, and uh, Josh Willingham was the third base. <laughs> and they had, well, you wow. had, it was yeah, Dontrell pitching. Was Beckett was he on was, that he team was also too? the next year. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't uh, you, you must. Dontrell yeah, you then. must have missed it. That was it. Yeah, that I year. missed him. All right. That's yeah, they had Beckett the year before that, so Josh Beckett was there. Um, yeah, they had some really good players go through there. No doubt. <laughs> Scott, it was it was great to have you on, dude. Um, enjoy the offseason. We'll, we'll see yeah. what the Phils do. And, uh, Let's go and Black, Black you, Rock man. Soccer team today, okay? Black yes, Rock exactly. Soccer. <laughs> sorry, tell we beat you. So tell your Don't kid, be over-anxious like the Phils. Just go have <laughs> yeah, fun right. out there. <laughs> Cheers. Right. See you, Scott. See you, folks. Bye. Your baseball or viral hit of the week. Definitely got some attention. The league is like cackling about it. Like, it's great attention for the league. It's so weird. Yep. So, so um, MLB employee Chris Russo um, also works for Sirius. And he said this um, a couple games ago about the Diamondbacks. I've been wrong in Arizona from day one. I, I, a, I'm stunned to beat Milwaukee. I thought they'd get swept by the Dodgers. I never thought they'd even go back to Philly for a game six. Uh, I'll, I'll try it one more time. 
I would not be stunned if they won tonight. I would be floored. Floored. And I'll say this right now. Just uh, I'll say this right now. And Bob Raceman, write it down. If they win the next two days, they win the next two games and win this series in seven games, if they win, I will I will retire on the spot. Tori Lovello was aware of the comments and said, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, he had some fiery comments too. Like there was a lot more. I watched like, this video where it circulated in Arizona and they were like, if that doesn't pump you up, because it was kind of about how it's us against the world. And this is the prime example, you know, when you have someone who works for the league saying this. So here is the Diamondbacks players post-game partying. There you go. All right. So you know what's funny about that is I'm I'm not even kidding, and I can say this because I worked for the league for a while. There are some executives that are like, they love him. Look, this is great attention, and the players <laughs> love it. I'm like, the players turn the television off or like wipe anything out related to that every time. It crushes credibility. It crushes like our sport being modern and cool and fun. Like. They literally think it's good for the sport today. They are like texting in group texts, right? Like all the suits being like, look how good this is. This is awesome. It's all about our boy. Did you hear what they said at the end, though? <laughs> retire, loser. That's the, the part that they need to understand. They said, retire, loser. This, this, this Don't say this. And they're going to say, oh, well, now he's trying to get out of it by walking through New York in like a bikini with like, I'm a loser. We know you're a loser, mad dog. Go away, retire, please. Make everyone happy. Just retire. Don't, but don't put this out there and say, I'm going to retire. And they'd be like, well, I'm just talking about radio. Like, no, you were talking about everything. Retire from MLB Network. Retire from whatever it is else you do, radio, whatever else. If you want to stay on ESPN, fine. Go on ESPN. Great. But get the heck off MLB Network because I'm tired of hearing stories about Joe DiMaggio. Right. <laughs> Players don't go on your show. They go on to talk to Alana Rizzo, not you. Yeah. Managers go on. Cause guess what? They have to, it's part of their contract. They have to go on MOB network and they have to go on with you, but players don't go on with you. So please retire. It's time. You've had a great run. Bye-bye now. They, it, this reminds me, this reminds me of the dude in the games that the fan that's like heckling and he's like, yeah, you know, you suck. And he turns around and gets, like, high fives from his buddies. That's what they're doing right now. Like, he just heckled the Diamondbacks. And then he's turning around getting high fives. Look at look at our four people that have shown up on our show and watched. Like, we've had more Diamondbacks on our show than the Christopher Russo show has. Obviously. Also, I, I thought <laughs> you had the best idea, Kratz, about what to do. Yeah. We all knew. I mean, I said, my, what did I say? AJ made fun of me. Said, my lock of the year is I'll retire if he retires. I'm here today. Sorry about <laughs> it. Did I not say that? That ruined two of our lives. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it shows my credibility. Because I feel like I'm I'm way younger and way, 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 way less wealthy than him. I cannot just retire right now. And I was that confident that he would be doing his job today. That all of this is just BS and the league is like, oh, we need to figure something out, right? Like, just donate your money for the sport. 
the way to really exactly don't donate salary. That's a great idea. No, he's not doing anything. Of course not. But I'm it was saying, all like, bullshit. That's the million point. Dollar MLB salary you could give to charity that would be sick. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It was all. It was just him popping off like he always does, and then no consequences coming out of it. Oh, he's got to walk again. What I read, he has to walk through. Times Joey Votto said that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Nobody. Maybe people in New York care. Maybe Todd cares in Jersey. I don't know. I no, mean, it, no. but I mean, nobody cares that what this. He said something, and one thing you have. And there's there's Votto. No, but he did do this. Yeah. I thought he agreed to this. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he agreed. Was just saying to you know they're they're making. He that wouldn't. The he story wouldn't say it. Said I'm the sign was supposed to say I'm a douche, and Correct. he wouldn't do that. It said I'm a loser or something. Yeah. Well, you're both. So, I mean, you should just you know have them both on there. But still, like, it, it's such just – I hate when people – listen, if you're going to say something, like, the way he said it, like, oh, I'll say it with my chest. I'm so tough. I'm Chris Russo. And then it happens, bye-bye. As NSYNC says, bye-bye-bye. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> that was solid. I wish you'd give it a little more tone in that voice, like sing it. That would be great. I mean, I don't want to – I don't want my, my you know, my, my boys – from NSYNC, you know, my high school guys, you know, <laughs> my high school, fellow high school alumni. Of course, he's be, in the NSYNC be, group text. Be calling me and say, like, you know, another, you butchered crashy, our song. Another name drop, kid. I love Name it. drop. That wasn't hey, a name drop. That's, that's just facts. No, that's a group drop. A group <laughs> band drop. drop. Band drop. Yeah, sorry. You sorry. live in Hollywood of Florida. Hey, he just, listen, Russo just, he talks, man. I've never seen a guy talk so much in my life. Uh, And I I honestly think this was on purpose just because they need to get his ratings up or something. I don't know. It worked. It worked, man. You can, if you're going to say, if you're going to talk about, especially from this area where you've been working, you've grown up, you scream and yell, you bicker all the time, but you have to go through what you say. And if you're not going to do that, yeah, your credibility is gone. It's just all this now, man. I, I feel sorry for him because that's that's just what everybody's going to know him for. It, it it's kind of silly to say, but he got what he wanted. People are talking about him, and that's all MLB wants. That's all they want. So, and listen, kudos to him. They got everybody talking about him. That, that's all I give him. Congratulations to. Well, that's what the sports media machine has been feeding, right? Everybody complains about the same like five dudes, don't they? Everyone complains about Skip Bayless, and he laughs his ass to the bank. Stephen A. Stephen A. It's the same dudes that just go on and, you know, they script how they're going to say stuff and then people talk about it. It's on you, America. Started nobody, with, started nobody with Jim watches, Rome, right? Nobody listens. Started with Jim Rome, right? Was he the first? He was kind of the first, Howard, I guess maybe Howard Stern. It's shock jock stuff. There's a yeah, lot of guys. But Jim Rome was like to. the first sports guy that was like, I'm going to say crazy things. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of is filtered over into a bunch of different other people. And now on the TV, I mean, every time you turn on certain channels on TV, about sports, it's two guys yelling at each other all the time. It's like, can we just talk? Can we just show highlights like we used to? Now we just have we have two guys always like or two people. It doesn't have to be males, but two people yelling at each other all the time about whatever they're talking about. Like, what happened to just showing the highlights and talking about the game? And you know, why do we always have to have two differing points of view? Oh, well, because th- I can tell you how that works. They sit in hour-long production meetings and they're like all right this is how you're gonna do it and this is how you're gonna it's all fake i'm telling you i mean we've talked about this right where if we're asking you to pick something like pick a rankings list or 
you know, which team made the best offseason moves. Like, we'll have this in the offseason, right? Um, we're always going to, on this show and on this platform, say, just actually pick what you believe in. Because there are many shows that'll be like, okay, you take this team, you take that team. Like, that's fake. But it's acting. That's what it is. And also, sometimes you can raise your voice if something really crazy goes on or you're really passionate about something. But if you do it all day, every day, it's Boy You Cried Wolf. So, But again, the core of all of this is people watch and listen and react. And that's why it exists. Because if nobody reacted to it, and it's not even that. It's more if nobody watched, right? If literally nobody watched, like Skip Bayless or watched Mad Dog Show or whatever, that's a little different. Nobody does ratings. watch Mad Dog that. Show. That's why I so can't that's use that not, example as well. That's a bad example. <laughs> but I'm saying. Because like, there's not, okay, you, you guys retired after I retired. I retired after 16 and his show was on. I quit. Nobody nobody watched that show. Not not one player. As soon as that show came on the TV in a clubhouse, you'd find the clubhouse guy and be like, dude, put on women's <laughs> freaking finish dog sledding. Anything you could come up with, right? Like. Any, anything that wasn't that show, you're like, find something else, please. And it was in every single – I mean, at least it was in teams I was on. Yeah, they would flip to – usually I would see it. They'd flip to ESPN. Anything. Yep. Because there's no highlights. There's nothing There's nothing substantial about the show. And I think that's the biggest thing. From a player's side of it is the gripe of fa- about the fact that he's unaware of what's going on in the game. And they piecemeal together a show – and if the players go on, they talk to Alana, who has been on the field. She's married to an ex-player. Like, she has the connection. There's no connection there. That's what – ultimately, that's what fans want. They want the connection with the players. Isn't he Isn't he backed by MLB? Like, MLB and him are like, like this now, Scott? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was just making sure. I didn't want to sound – go off base there. But You're it, talking it, about Mad Dog? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So he, yeah, he best buds with so the right peeps. That's any, how anything he talks about, it has to back up what MLB and commissioner and all those guys. So that's that's part of his um his mojo, man. That's how what what he goes. That's real talk right there. BSBLR.com and follow them uh, at baseballer on IG for a lot more of stories like this. Craig Council about to get the bag from someone, and it might be the Mets. Did you see Nightingale actually posted the salaries too? There's Andy Martino, um, who says the Mets have received permission to interview Council for the job, and the Brewers had initially indicated they would not grant it, and Council's contract would have to expire. They changed course. Mets will be interviewing soon. Yeah, because the Brewers are probably like, stop stealing all our dates. Stop paying. Well, wait, money what do you mean Nightingale guys. tweeted salaries? He tweeted that Council makes three and a half million, and even this interview alone is going to push him up to five million because if the Brewers want him back, the Mets clearly have interest, and that's the market rate for someone like him now. Listen, what did Joe Madden say yesterday about Bob Melvin? If he's interviewing, he's going. Mm -hmm. If they gave permission, he's going. Well, would that stand true here for Craig Council? If he's interviewing and they're granting permission, he's gone. (laughs) Do you think so? I don't know, but that's what but Joe, Joe Madden knows more about this game <laughs> uh, than I do. But so they granting they're granting permission, Kratz, a few days before the contract ends, and then he wouldn't have needed permission. So it's kind of like, how petty is it to be like, no, you you have to wait until Thursday or whatever. I think he could still make the decision that he wants to go back to Wisconsin. But regardless, you have to take this interview. He's going to literally make an extra one and a half million dollars per year 
based on just taking this interview if he does go back to the Brewers. It's not like the Brewers are going to be like, oh, they're offering you five and a half? Uh, well, we're starting at three and a half. Like, obviously, he's not going to stay for that. He's not being paid what he should be paid, market rate. He still has to decide yeah. if he yeah. wants to go. I think he's, I understand, I, but the Brewers are. Don't you think the Brewers are going to have to at least get him up to what like the upper echelon manager rate is? Yeah, that's not that. That's not that tough. It's no, it's not a big that. deal. They're not poor. I Antion, mean, it's a million Antion and a half do dollars. That. He'll it's do that. He's done it. Players. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, but now he'll have the leverage. That's that's a good point, Scott. If they do come at him like. Hey, listen, they came at four or five. I, you either put up or shut up, basically. That's it's a good problem to have if, if I'm counsel. And he deserves it. He, has he not been one of the best managers? And it's not always easy to decipher who's good, but it seems like he's been pretty clear-cut doing a great job with a team that sometimes is you know, kind of limited on resources. And also, how often do we look at his moves and say, ah, oh, he screwed up? And even for managers who take dudes out too early – feels like he actually has that timing down of taking a guy out right before something's going to happen, puts in a reliever, and the game's over. No? No, I agree. Listen, he's one of the best. Players love playing for him. Uh, the biggest question I want to know is, is he going to take Murph with him? That's the biggest question? What, bench coach <clears throat> Pat Murphy? Yeah. Well, if they're going to have to give him the bench coach rate, <laughs> what's that? No, I mean, listen. going to have to raise him from 200 Craig, to 250. Craig Council is one of the most enjoyable guys to go talk to when you do go, do managers' meetings. He's been awesome in Milwaukee for, for the time he's been there. He's from there. His family's all there. It's going to be a hard decision. But, again, I still go back to what Joe Madden said. If he's taking this interview, he gone. I, I mean, he might, he might prove me wrong. But the fact that he's – he, and obviously, there's people pushing behind the scenes too, because why would the Brewers say, "Oh yeah, let, go ahead and go"? Like, there's someone, whether it's Council's agent, whether it's Council, whether someone's in Matt Arnold's ear, going, "Hey, dude, like, this is a real possibility. Like, let's go." I don't know. Different than Bob Melvin's. Different than Bob Melvin's, because he's going to be a free agent. Bob Melvin had to go back and manage the <laughs> Padres. So, once I think, I think it's a different situation. Hot corner time. Let's sizzle. So first, a few things popping up about the World Series and our dedicated FT fam saying they announced Gallons starting game one. Well, mm-hmm. I would say no surprise there. That is usually how it goes. Gallon one, Merrill Kelly game two. I bet you they'll they'll put Merrill Kelly game two. It's my other lock. Yeah, and then Fott <laughs> will pitch game three. I mean, game one. Shocker. But yes, that but makes you know sense. they're gonna have too much time off. Who? Which team? Both. Both. Too much time off. Of course. Too you much time off. Bad, Who do you think? You know what's crazy is the two teams that have more time off. They both won those LCS series. So, no. Damn it! I don't know how they did it. No, they should change it. Yeah, they should change the rule. They both Everybody's had one more day off. It's amazing how guys come out of the All Star break after four days off. They play just fine. I don't know, man. Everybody's it's crazy. getting a ring next year. Everybody, yeah, you just need to get trophy. sized at the beginning. You of have the more season. than one day off in the whole year. You get a ring. Do you know that either Madison Bumgarner or Bruce Ochi <laughs> will get a ring? Yes, it's true. That's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. They're going against each other. Yeah. Do you think Mad Bums? I mean, he's going to watch, but oh, know, he's like, rooting. He's yeah. rooting for Az, so he can oh be ring. Yeah. He texted Boach. I know that he said I'm available, but he's not. He's not on the team. He tried to do pull the Benji Molina and get to. He was on boat. Remember when Benji Molina was on the Rangers? Yeah. Yep. And they played the Giants. He had he had he had two chances. 
there, there's been a couple of those instances where somebody's tied to both teams and it's like, well, you're getting a ring regardless. It's the best way to hedge. Who do you think's favored in the series? Rangers. The Rangers. The Rangers. Oh, so Rangers. Yeah, they are. So for the series right now on BetMGM, minus 175 for Texas to win the series, plus 145 for Arizona. It's not a huge favorite, though. No, I mean, there's been bigger, but it's it's large. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. sizable. I love the MVP you know? money. That's where that's where I want to look at the MVP money. That's tough though, dude. That's a tough pick. Still, there's mm. there's a lot. I mean, the the easy the the lowest is plus five hundred on Corey Seager. Corey Seager ain't gonna be. They're not gonna throw to Corey Seager. Not right, let so him skipping beat him. They're gonna skip him. Mm. Okay, fine, good. That's a good call. Fade Corey Seager for your MVP pick. Simeon, he didn't get a hit, and Christian Walker, neither one of them did much in the LCSs. Or they just keep I think pitching Simeon. to Adolis. Adolis. I think Simeon's yeah. going to be the guy, and that's at plus 1,400. Look at Todd. Todd's already dipping into it. He knows. <laughs> See, when my hands come to my chin like this, I'm going to – You're, you're thinking He's about thinking. it. You're like, I could shift some of my 401K, my Vanguard over. <laughs> I got I to gotta look into all that stuff still. I don't yeah, know what's do. going on. Uh, I'll throw a few other numbers at you. So two years ago, these were both 100 loss teams. And then last year, even 88 losses, 94 losses. And this year, 84 wins, 90 wins. So um, if you're a wild card contender, you should, you know, try because could get hot. You could get hot. Hey, let me so, ask. Let me. Can I ask the guy something? Say the guy comes up and plays in September, or just plays for a week or whatever, and then they win the World Series. Do you think he deserves a ring? Hmm. He was part of the team. Yeah. Uh, no, he, I, I'm, I'm not. He helped I'm, you get I there. Just, I think so. I was just curious what you guys thought. Of. I agree. I think, so. I, I think if even if you get one day, because I know NBA, I don't think they give the guys a ring unless they play a certain amount of games. That's cheap. It's like it doesn't cost. I mean, it does. It just costs a ring, though. It's not like you're given this this pile that has scarcity and you can only give out, you know, yeah. 28 no. of them or whatever. That's, right. That's like, what I heard in the NBA, this, I could be wrong, but I remember saying you got to play a certain amount of games to get a ring. If your team wins. Why do you, why do you ask that Todd? Because obviously I, my whole career was coming up for one day. No, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing behind it. I was just thinking out loud because Madison Bumgarner, he, he might get a ring. I mean, listen, it's just crazy. I love it. I think everybody should get a ring if you play, even one, even one game. I think it's. I agree. Yeah, and I obviously stand on that side of it. And yeah, you, you stand on that side, and you stay on that side. Okay. Yeah, I'll stay there. Yeah. All right. Two two, two more bits of of numbers for you that that stood out to me. This one's good. So, do you know that in every series this postseason, besides one, the team that struck out more. On offense, won the series. I told Every you, series, analytics. Except for Houston and Minnesota. Every other series, like just like what we had, Arizona struck out 69 times. Yeah. Uh, giggity. Uh, 60 times for Philly. Texas struck out 55 times. Houston struck out 47 times. Does that mean anything? Give me, give me who hit more home runs. Well, that's usually the opposite end. But also, don't those two sometimes tie together? That's the but that's, that's such the a small sample. It's such a small sample size. Well, everything's a small sample size yeah, in the but, playoffs. No. But I'm talking like go through the year. The teams that strike out the least, least usually are there. Now this year is a little bit different because normally, but the Astros are not the Astros. Excuse me, the Rangers they still put the ball in play. The Diamondbacks put the ball in play. 
I mean, a fairly good amount. It's not like they're going up there. Every guy's taking gangster hacks and trying to go deep. I mean, they put the ball in play and, and, and run. So, I mean, yeah, they strike out, but they're also putting the ball in play more than most teams. I don't know the numbers, but I'm assuming it's more than most teams. Um, yes, they were a tough team to strike out during the regular season. I know that from, were, right? from betting. What? The Diamondbacks were. Yes. And the Rangers, I don't think, were that big either. I mean. They were mid. They were right on They are mid? Yeah. Okay. They were like Diamondbacks. Were- Diamondbacks were tough. I, a couple times early in the season on K props, I got beat, and then I avoided them the rest of the year. I was like, "Nah, this team is just making too much contact." <laughs> I leaned so. into them, and I made cash off of the Twins and the Mariners. Oh, with their case. the Twins were the Twins were huge Giants too. Yep. Yeah. If you right, just... I got one more because our guest is going to come on soon. One Diamondbacks struck out the least this year. The least. The least. Yeah, but this is what I'm talking about. Like the, you know how it gets very. Oh wait, sorry, sorry. No, the fourth least. Fourth least. It just Guardians, gets very Nationals, one-sided. Nationals. Where like you get people online going like, "See, strikeouts are good." I'm like, <laughs> okay, relax. And then lastly, because this this one I will I will die on this hill. Run differential is garbage. <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks were a negative 15 this year. There's only been one team in history that's won the World Series with a negative run differential. 1987, baby. Minnesota Twins. Today's but, the anniversary. They won it. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. It's such bullshit. It's a different team. Teams change, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's such a long season. I don't care. And also, the amount of times that we see games during the year where it's like, oh, they lost 11-2 and, you know, Kratz was pitching the eighth and the ninth. Like, Run differential is just – it's a lazy stat. Sorry. Yeah. it's my take for predicting you're, you're what right, team's going to do. You're right, Scott. There's Thank no you, way Kratz. that run, run differential means anything. It doesn't. Oh, oh, oh. oh. That was a Thank you. Surprise. On the move. So, Bob Melvin is officially – joining the San Francisco Giants to be their skipper. The Padres did not receive compensation for Bob Melvin's move over to SF, according to Farhan Zaidi. Also, I was looking, obviously the show was going on during the press conference, but it sounded like, to paraphrase, he was saying, like, it's good for me to get out of what was going on there, you know? Like, he kind of referenced, like, there's a lot of drama going on there, and he doesn't seem like a heavy drama guy. Oh, I've been around Bob a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like... The reason that he's been respected, I think, is, yeah, sure, he's done a great job on the field with those ace teams, always winning walk-offs and one-run games, and obviously that didn't happen this year. But also just not a yeller, not not a super controversial behind-the-scenes dude. Is that accurate? You know, it's, it's not a guy that's going to, like, ruffle feathers in an org. So when you read an article that is kind of pitting him against the GM, you're like, eh, I'm going to go with his side on this one because he's gotten along with a lot of people for a long time. Have you talked to him much? Right. True. Correct. Have you talked to him much? Yes. Bob? Bob? Yes. A lot. Yeah, he's great. When you, I mean, he's Way very back California. He's but like very. Smart. When you talk to him, like in those manager meetings, though, he does. He he's not. He's not super comfortable in there. Not meaning. Not meaning in a bad way. No, he, it's not a kickback and chill set. No, it's yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get what out what I need out and move on, which is great. He's fine, but he when you talk to the players that he has, those players respect him. Like him, most of them. I mean, all most of the ones I've talked to about him. He does a great job. And listen, sometimes things don't work. And the San Diego thing for him, it just didn't work. Now he gets to go back to where he's from, the Bay Area. Former Giants player. Once a Giant, always a Giant. 
Here we but go. It I mean, they made they were what two games from making the World Series last year. This year it didn't work. I'm talking about this year. Oh. Yeah, but I'm like about this year. How quickly we forget? Like Buck Showalter, he gone. 100 plus win season. Padres, he gone. They were two two wins away from making the World Series. Like, I just I feel like you need a longer leash than that. But I guess, you know, in this case, there's there's more going on behind the scenes. But I just think it's something that. So did he have good rapport with the players, and then or with with uh, not with the players with Preller last year, and then now this year Preller's like. Oh, this is you know what you did last year wasn't enough. That's I just want to know where it comes from. I want to know where where that disconnect is. If if there was a disconnect that we it was between Preller and Melvin. Yeah, it was. there was mo- no, numerous reports. I thought I saw yeah, where they didn't speak or talk for a while there at the end. So I'm saying like when did the it, last when month did it, of the year? I think when did it go? So there wrong? was a clear disconnect. When did it sour? Like what happened? You know, I think. I mean, Preller maybe trying to give him lineups, and the, and Melvin's like, "Screw you, dude." I don't know. But like, no was he really giving him the lineups that. last year? That that would be my question. Is like, where did it go wrong? Because if we never get this kind of stuff out, and I'm not saying that we need to have it out on this show, but like, if it never comes out, how can other teams not improve or not do the same issues? But also the Padres, whoever the next manager, I hope it's Flaherty and not Schilt. Because I think he has that younger connection with the players, but how does he like? How does he learn from this situation? To me, I'm. It's kind of like what Joe Madden said yesterday. If you're not learning from situations, if you're not having discussions, like you got to be able to have discussions. If you're going to give me the lineup, and I think your lineup is trash, I need to be able to tell you, look, this is why this is trash. I think this guy, while his ego says he should hit here, his bat says he should hit here. And if you can't have that discussion with the man, with the general manager or the general manager to the manager, then your team is going to be defunct. And that goes into it. It permeates into the players. Crowds for manager. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Okay. Bold, bold take. That's probably not that bold. It goes way. It was a good example, but I think it, it went way deeper than just, bickering over the lineup and Preller was asked about it obviously after all those reports and articles came out and was just like yeah you know like you're gonna debate when you're going back and forth which that's fine right I think it went deeper like reading about the dude who he hired who like everyone called a spy right if you're the manager and players are like yo I don't want this guy around that starts to affect a lot of shit and the manager is responsible for that and if he's going to the GM and being like I don't want this, you know, what was he, like a military guy or something? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, right? Yeah. I'm just using that. Like that to me is like a deeper, more dramatic example of something going on where you're like, yo, this is affecting my players. Like get this get this dude out of my clubhouse. I don't want him. If he's in your org, he's in your office, right? This is not for me. I've been around the game a while. I don't understand this. People are saying he's like a spy. And if AJ Preller is like not, nah, then you're going to have a problem. And that's like a season-long problem. That's not like, yo, we need to put him sixth right now, not fourth. To me, that's like a, good, let's have a debate about it and let's see what happens. The Australian dude. You're talking about the Australian dude he brought in. Yeah, I'm using him as an example because there were about five of those examples about like micromanaging and doing weird shit that you don't see in other orgs. This happens a lot, right? And this gets brought out on this show sometimes. When an organization does something that no other organizations are doing, 
usually it's a bad thing, not a good thing. Because if other orgs are doing it, it means it's good, it's working, it's accepted, right? If you're finding out about something that no other org does, it's usually not great. Pirates doing, you know, military drills in spring training, probably not great. No one else is doing it. And this is another example of that in my mind. I hadn't heard of a story like that before. But that would be my argument is like, what what is happening? And if Preller really wants to, if he really wants to win, if his true goal, and I truly believe it is based on like the moves he makes and he's tried when I was there, he tried and failed with the whole Kimbrel and Matt Kemp and everybody that was brought in and sent out. Uh, I think BJ Upton or Melvin at that time was, was in there too. Like if he really wants to win, he's got to be able to check himself. He's got to be able to have somebody in his life. That's like, dude, like AJ, like, relax like every aj needs somebody to tell them and put them in their place every aj i've ever met in my entire life every time ajs need somebody in their life to make sure they're in line aj every ellis AJ. needs one every aj uh, every aj, AJ foyt every one of them i never AJ. met aj foyt i so met aj feely never he needed, he every needed AJ. someone to check he needed aj somebody. styles i didn't, never met him is that the guy from Othello? That's a guy from the WWE. Uh, AJ, Burnett. AJ Burnett? He yeah, needed somebody. AJ is yep. a guy. He needed oh, he, somebody. He's a beast. I love All him. AJs. It's just a He's thing. coming up on Legends territory, by the way, and it was fucking awesome. He's moving right right across the way. Yeah, his neighbor. What? We'll bring him in. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Building a house. Yep. <sighs> might be, so might nice. join the FT fam. Who knows? All right. One other thing to get to before we slap hands at the end. So... The Yankees are still figuring out what's going on with their management and coaching staff and all that, right? So they announced Boone's back. I thought that they actually announced Casey was offered to come back, but he said on his pod, quote, I'm not going to be able to come back next year as Yankees hitting coach because I have my two daughters at home. I think getting divorced a few years ago, I have those girls 50% of the time. I just can't imagine being away for eight months. I've known Case for years. That's real. And also, I, I give him credit because some people don't want to go deep into the personal life. And I would say also he probably feels like he owes it to Yankee fans to just kind of take them behind the curtain. Like, that's, that's real. Regardless of what you think about how the coaching staff should look, I mean, he's made money. He doesn't – it's not a high-paying job anyway. He doesn't need it. He's, he's tight with Booney and probably wants to help him out. But he's also like, yo, I want, I want family time. I've had a difficult situation behind the scenes. So – no thanks. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, he's earned enough money. He's earned it right. You can always slide right back into your old spot on MLB Network and start doing that again. Uh, he wouldn't want my exact spot. I promise you. Well, he won't. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, spot. How's yeah, that? Yeah, different spot. My okay, spot but was... yeah. Listen, good for Case, and uh, I'm happy that he he got to try it. He probably didn't like it. I mean, it's hard. Like I remember the old George Brett story in Kansas City. He tried to be the hitting coach. He was a hitting coach for about a week, and he's like, "Yeah, no, the same for me. Uh, it's too much. I actually have to like work." And first one there, right? One of the first. People yeah, there. you got to be there early. You got to work, man. It's a lot of work. You can't just be George Brett. I mean, you got to put in some time with the boys. Is hitting coach more time consuming than manager? No, no. Uh, hitting different. coach is different. Many hitting coaches. You know when it, you know when you find a good hitting coach. You used to at the hotel bar after the game. <laughs> that was when you knew if you had a good hitting Seriously. coach or not. Seriously. Because he would sit there with you and talk to you and tell you how good you were, even though you're like, God, I'm over 25. Oh, I suck. He'd be like, no, you're good. You're good. Have another beer. You're good. <laughs> the psychology. Yeah. I'm serious. That's what they are. They're psychologists more yes. than they are coaches, really. 
but they help. I mean, no, some... they do help, but it's more. If you're at the major league level, Frage, you can hit usually. Like you have, you can, you have some skill, right? The, the hitting coach at the big league level is how do I get this person to mind right every game and their mechanics? Whatever, whatever the fuck you want to do. At the end of the day, it's about can I get my hand, my head, these guys' heads right and have an approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And it's you know you they have their routines already, and it's just a matter of honing that routine and making them understand that listen, you can change a little bit too as well, not you know drastically, but as well. Like they're they're there to talk to. Those are the dugout sessions that you know you have after you're in a bat, you struggle, and you're standing there. You're like, what do you got? You know, and and they're like, yo, dude, listen you're not seeing the ball or you're swinging a bed, whatever it is you're doing. But those dugout sessions with the hitting coaches, I mean, those go so much more than hitting in the cage to me at least because that's where they got your mind right and they understood and told you, bro, you're a good player. You're just going through some shit, man. Don't worry about it. So for me, yeah, hitting coach, you know, they talk about who's your oh, your favorite coach you ever have. You know, everybody's like, oh, who's your favorite manager? And I always, I always tell my favorite manager, but at the same time I tell my favorite hitting coaches too. Those were the guys. Those are your boys. So – to have a good hitting coach and a guy you can rely on that looks at film day in and day out and sees what you do every day, there's nothing better. They definitely – you definitely know – you might not realize you have a good hitting coach at different points in your career until you have a bad hitting coach. <laughs> True. Then you're like, oh, wait a minute. What Kenny was telling me, that's legit. Like, I didn't realize. Like, I knew he wasn't bad, but I also was kind of, you know, you're kind of in that like selfish realm where you're like, I just do it myself. And then you have a hitting coach who's standing at first base and you hit a ground ball and he does everything he can not to look at you as you're walking by <laughs> or you swing and miss and you like glance down at first and he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. kidding me? I had, a hitting, I had a hitting coach that was asleep, asleep before games when everyone else is out in the cage. And this is before you had like nine assistant hitting coaches. Like this dude was like this daily, every day. Major league hitting coach sleeping. I'm not going to say. No, I know, but because that's people could people, wild. Yeah, crazy. Do, do it, Wait, so do who it. who who replaces Sean Casey besides Kratz? After Kratz is top of the Kratz list, is way too expensive for a hitting coach job. Kratz's guy, he's got. But Kratz, see, here's what I've, one thing I have learned though about hit, most hitting coaches: <laughs> the ones that were great hitters weren't that good at weren't that, that good at hitting. Coach, yeah. That's why Kratz would make a perfect hitting coach because he wasn't that great oh, at hitting. It's the Ooh. same on interviews when you talk to like Miguel Cabrera, and he's like, "Well, I just see the ball and hit the ball. That's how you do it." And it's like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I'll tell my 14 year old that." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I played with two of the greatest hitters of all time. And you ask him a question, like Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. And Manny, throw Manny in there too. Manny's a, Manny had a little more. But well, you talk to those other two, and you're like, "How do you do?" And they're like, "Griffey would be like, see the little guy on the end of that, just hit that, hit, take the guy to the ball, and you hit it." I'm like, "That's it?" And he's like, "Yeah, you don't have a guy on your bat, so you can't do it." That's insane. That little swingman guy, he had it on his bat. He'd, swing, he'd be like, "Just have him hit the ball," and I'm like, "That's that's what you're telling me." He's like, "Well, you don't have one, so it won't work for you." I have your hitting coach for you, Adam Lind, New York Yankees hitting coach. Hmm. What about? I mean, there's some good, in, you know. Paul O'Neill. Yeah, but now you're just bringing up like vets that are names. Yeah, well, that's no, no, no. Adam Lynn. Adam Lynn that... spent the last three years learning Spanish. He got his Spanish degree. He never spoke any Spanish when we played together. Now he he wanted to get his Spanish degree so he can help out the Latin players. Absolute connection, dude. Love it. 
Adam I, Lindover, Paul O'Neill, and every like veteran Yankee yes. that you're gonna bring up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I want to, I want to, I want a grinder. I want a bilingual guy who's gonna be there all day and night. Perfect name. What starts with an A? No, Very you don't good. need an arrogant hitting coach. Just like you don't need an arrogant manager. Ooh. You can't have you can't have A Rod as a hitting coach. You can't have oh, Gabe Kapler as a manager. <laughs> stop it. Also, one other Chill part it, too, because hey. Yankee oh, fans God. are looking for changes and they're pissed off. This is not what's making or breaking the team right now. It's <laughs> roster construction. So don't go too hard what? on this. Like, we have a Yankee think- guy. Let. So Todd give his idea who should be the hitting coach. I know, can't, also, just like Todd, you can't I talk think, about the White Sox. I, no, I we would, can totally talk about it. I'm just saying, Todd, like we don't we don't talk about like who the Mariners hitting coach should be. Like I, I think things get micro micro looked at with the Yankees, but like really let's course. focus on you're the right. roster construction no, right now because that's the problem. Right. If if I had to pick one, it would off the bat, I would say Chili Davis, and I know one's not going to agree with me on there, of course. I had him with the Mets, and I thought he was absolute solid hitting coach. He went above and beyond. He's a guy that's going to tell you the truth. And if you don't like it, you know, some people might not like it, but he's going to make sure that he gets his point across, and he knows his stuff. He picks up pitches from pitchers, and he has great meetings. I mean, that's the guy first and foremost. And then you got to worry about who we're bringing back and who, and who you're keeping and who you're not. So there's a lot. You're right. It is micromanaged because it's the Yankees. I don't know why everybody's like, it's the Yankees. Yeah, well, everybody talks about the Yankees. The one thing I would say also is have multiple. There's the, Half the teams have multiple hitting coaches, like two or three, and it, it gets rid of or at least minimizes some of what just happened here. Oh, I don't like him, but I like him, so I'll just ignore well, him. Well, here's my thing. You know who started oh, having more than one hitting coach? The White Sox? Hawk Harrelson when he was GM. He had a power hitting coach and a singles hitting coach. Did he really? True story. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. True story. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was that one of my. From? That is unique. That first, was one of first, my one of my job offers when I when I got done. I won't say what team it was, but one of my job offers. That, was you like you got to say every. You got to say who you're talking the third about. Third hitting coach. Well, that's the singles hitting coach. <laughs> that's better than the fourth he, no, coach. No, you were the pinch hitter. I was a coach. strikeout coach. No, Everybody that strikes out, I go and talk to him, be like, hey, man, I get it, bro. I get it. Well, some teams are into that, and then you could show them the, the playoff numbers. Hey, look, I mean, most teams that strike out more in the playoffs this year. That, so was, def- mind, dude. that was definitely the Brewers, by the way. That was definitely the Brewers. <laughs> it was definitely not the Brewers. All right, uh, boys. All right let's slap Byron. hands. Yankees. Mets. <laughs> you have something for us? First? I have two things. First of all, I found this great video of Kratz last night when the Phillies lost. Watch how happy he is. Can we run the video? Oh. oh. But you know what, Kratz? <laughs> wow. Yeah, they that's... smashed the TV. That's fresh. That's not like some... That was you know, Kratz last night in his basement. Tape. No, that was last night. That was Kratz that was, and his that family. That was Kratz's Kratz. son right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was Ethan Kratz. I was, I was really he angry. Was there. Although that been... wasn't my... My TV in my basement's 126 inches, so I think I oh, would... Right, oh, so flex. Oh, what a... Watch. Yeah. Watch. Boom! Oh. How's his hand? Can we see the, the knuckle? It, there's got to be some blood. That's a lot of glass, no? Nah. No? Nah. 
You've but, broken a but, lot of TVs, Sal? No, I've seen Guy Punch <laughs> one, though. Um, but Crutch, have no fear because Zach Gallon has the perfect answer for you after you're breaking your TV. Can we show Zach Gallon's tweet? Make sure to get your tickets for your next game, Philly Spring Training oh 2024. See you in Clearwater, Crotts. Wow. Are you kidding me? I didn't nope. know this. I saw what Blooper, what Blooper, the mascot from the Braves said. Wow. He, he tweeted, or Blooper tweeted, do they get a do you get a ring for NLDS championship? Oh. <laughs> it's oh still not as God. good as uh Zach Gallon. <laughs> Zach Gallon saying that that is that, that is, is bold. Oh, where the, was there some bad blood that I didn't know about here? Yes. Like, yes. There's two. There's isn't two he a Phillies fan One, too? What? Wasn't he a Phillies fan growing up? I thought. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, a yeah. Phillies fan. Yeah. Yes. So, so there's two things. One, everyone you know thought they were going to lose, so they just were having fun with it, which I think it's great. And two, every player Kratz knows that's there, especially nowadays. Like they are smart calculated going up against everyone so i'm sure gallon heard it and he's like cool i'm gonna send it back and then i don't know if this was in direct response to him but some of our fans in the youtube chat today said are you going to talk about taiwan walker because he was like saying like oh the disrespect i think he's just you know pissed that he lost and you see something like that but we don't need respect disrespect that's fun keeping those receipts crazy that was just yeah, that wasn't at the players. That was at the fans who were absolutely yeah, yeah. ripping him when he's warming up for game oh, one. Oh, I got you. Understood. But then we got our then next. I don't know if Scott's going to run this, but we got Paul our Seawall. next. We got our next thing. My boy Paul fucking Seawall. Look what he put it out. Receipt season, which includes the Phillies post game show. The Philly Stars went cold tonight against Arizona, but Ricky Bo knows it's not time to panic. Well, it was time to panic. Also, I've seen that pool before, so I know exactly where it is, according to DJ Garrett Stubbs, our guy, referring to the famous, I don't know how to pronounce that, but beyond the right field fence at Chase Field. If we take two here against Arizona, we'll be beelining it for the water. And then our, our friend Jared Carabas said there's a chance this ages poorly to Tori Lovello saying we didn't come across the country to get our ass kicked. Oh, and gosh. lastly, great. I mean, this was really well done collage by Paul Seawald. He finished it with Too the much. famous Jordan meme. And I took that personally. No, Todd. Too much, man. dude. That's awesome. Dude, that's why we have this show. That shit's fun. Come on. Too much? The other one was good. He'd be just a little overboard. With that was a collage. Todd doesn't like collages. I'm not a collage. <laughs> I thought that was great. It was Todd, short, sweet to the point. With a collage for school Te- or something. Teach its own. Teach its own. I, I, I from knowing Paul, I, that's too much. I love no, it. No, Paul, dude. Paul came on here. They're down 0-2 and said they're going to win in seven. He solid. came on the show and said solid. it. I, I, I did think he that's not? Solid. Oh fuck! Someone just went down. Tell him. Paul, Say it with your Bible. That was Eddie Guardado. He he gone. Yeah, it's all right. He'll, He's like where Mad Dog should be back. gone. Yeah. But <laughs> every every other day, Eddie. Now, yeah, exactly. here's here's my thing. You've been there for two months. Uh, yeah, he wasn't there the whole year. It's okay. You won. I got it. You've been there for two months now. No, disagree. Totally disagree on this one. I'm a fan. I'm all, I'm here for all the smoke. Cause yeah. why? I ain't playing no more. Just smoke it up, boys. Fight it up. Talk shit. Let's go. It's good for the rivalry. It's good for the game. And, and Todd, the one thing I will say is it's not personal. Like, they're not going out there saying something personal. They're just like, yo, we took receipts. Like, don't count us out. I feel like that's fun. If somebody goes out there and says something, like, personal, okay, then it's different, right? 
You know what I, I'm saying? I was going to say he's not taking really shots at players, but he kind of did at Stubbs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, Stubbs I, I, put yeah. himself out Yeah, but there. you're saying <laughs> but Stubbs, Stubbs says that. I listen, I get it. Also, if Garrett Stubbs, when when he comes on again in the offseason, we ask him about that, he'd be like, dude, that's fun. Yeah, he'd be like, I love it. I have my overalls on. I have my Budweiser hat on. It's good. I saw it. Yeah, but Todd, guys, Todd how about guys are good. in 17 when you got traded to the Yankees, you were there for two months. Like, you weren't just like – you were just like I didn't, I didn't tweet nothing. No, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not saying you tweet, but you talk smack. I yeah, was there within within the game. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go online. But that's just more of a personal thing. Like people, no doubt. People talk Every, Everybody smack. did. Everybody did. Though. Yep. Yeah. Cracks. All good. All when good, man. They won. They won it. All good. Yep. You guys have been looking at my bald head all day. Anybody know what this is? It's a winter bowl hat for I, sure. I, I read the Aguilas. front. Of, I read the front of your cap. So Aguilas, right? Aguilas, Aguilas Cibaenas of Santiago, Dominican Republic. They didn't even give you a fitted man. What's that about? Oh, you got you got BP hats. It's the show. It's a show down there. <laughs> they didn't have one big enough. Oh, that's for true. That's for true. They didn't have one big enough for my pockets. How much money they were paying me either. Great Brad show, definitely guys. was Great like show. A, a cold hero down in the DR for, for his winter ball. Don't you think? They call me Pancheo. There's Pancheo's. like a fan club. They call me Pancheo because I struck out, out a lot. I was just saying <laughs> <laughs> If you embrace it, they love you. So. They embrace the strikeouts? I guess. I mean, many major league teams do. Uh, we got a show tomorrow. And it sucks not day. having games for all, like, all these days. I don't know how these teams are going to play. We I should know, have started. Sleep, bro. bro, you guys are bad, man. We should have had a game on Thursday. I'm so pissed yeah. off. The Cancun series. <laughs> See you Thursday. Maybe in Dubai. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.